Hello and welcome back to the paddocks. We are excited to bring you our recap of the Brazilian GP and our predictions for the final U.S. race, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. On today's episode, you have myself, Amy, Rachel, Melissa, and Chelsea is hanging out behind the scenes. So I'm going to hand it over to Mel to kick us off with some history on the Brazilian Grand Prix. So the Autodormo José Carlos Paz, or better known as the Autodormo Interlagos, located in the beautiful city of Sao Paulo, Brazil. This is a 4.3 kilometer or 2.7 mile long track consisting of 15 turns with two DRS zones. This track was also not constructed on flatland as it consists of hilly areas and parts of the track, which is actually really cool. I love when tracks have like ups and downs, kind of brings a little excitement. And it also just causes the drivers to demand more power from their car's engine. Now, not only is this taken into factor, but also the fact that the circuit itself runs counterclockwise, causing for certain turns to affect the drivers and cars different from what they and we as spectators are accustomed to which is another cool thing I learned about the track itself. Didn't realize that counterclockwise and clockwise makes that much of a difference, but here we are. But anyways, the track was open in May 1940 and it plays host to many motorsport events as well as Brazil's Lollapalooza. Since its opening, the track itself has gone through many changes and it hasn't been too drastic. It's just been for different reasons at certain turns. The circuit has its name due to its location being between man-made lakes Guarapinga and Billings. Sorry for any mispronunciations. And for those who didn't know, Interlagos is actually uh, Portuguese translated into between lakes, literally in between lakes. Now in 1985, the track was renamed to honor the late Brazilian F1 driver Jose Carlos Paz, who had passed away in 1977. And not only do they pay homage to this driver, they also pay homage to Senna. Turns 1 and 2 are named Senna S, and they also have one of his carts at the track itself, which is actually pretty cool. This track is also known for its unpredictable weather, and Sao Paulo's even nicknamed the Land of the Drizzle. That gave me a little giggle, but we'll talk about how that affected this weekend shortly. But currently, Valtteri Bottas holds a record for the fastest lap at a time of 1 minute with 10 seconds from the 2018 Grand Prix and his then W09. So now that we've gone into the track's history, let's talk about some stuff leading into the race. So leading into the race, one of my favorite parts is the helmet reveal. And I love Lewis and Esteban's helmets going into the weekend. And I just love in general when the drivers kind of like take their own perception and pay homage to a country that they're visiting. So just to get into a little bit of detail about the helmets that I like, helmets that were designed. So Ogon's helmet design was neat because it was like the flag and its colors and with like a little bit of like what it looked like, like palm trees or like some sort of like weave. But what sold it for me was how he had the Oconzinho to his helmet. It's like a little like his Brazilian racing alter ego is what I thought of. Pretty neat how he came up with that. But Lewis's helmet, obsessed. For y'all that don't know, he actually got the approval from the Senna family to have the Senna S on his own helmet. So I just love that he had this opportunity. Senna's his like hero, his idol growing up. And Brazil is like his second home race. So it's just written in the source in a way. I also loved uh, Pierre's helmet. He His was signed with messages from like his friends and his family. And one of his friends in their message actually asked him to be the godfather of their baby. And that just melted my heart. That was so cute. Also, it seems like it seems like Pierre has like a different helmet design every weekend. I don't know if I've seen him with the same design twice this year. Now, I also need to talk about Lewis's paddock fits before we even get into our discussion of Quali, because that custom-made Senna jacket and pants set was a work of literal art. I My jaw hit the ground. I was not ready for it. I was completely and utterly unprepared, and it just made my day. So now that you bring that up, Amy, I tried looking for like the tweet on Twitter, but it was his day 
to, yeah, quality or like sprint day, Friday. I don't know. It was one of the days, but he was wearing one of the outfit, like the, um, the kits from the Brazilian soccer team. It was like their warm up kit or something like that. But it was the year that they had dedicated their, I believe, World Cup win to Senna. So again, that whole connection to Senna is like the, his mind. I just love it. And that like warm up suit, I love. I just love, loved all of it. That's all. All right. Now let's get to a little bit more of, I guess you could say, the meat and potatoes of the weekend. Let's talk about Quali. Now, before we cover Quali, I do just want to give a note to anybody who may have missed it. But officially, stopping at the end of the pit lane to allow a gap to form has officially been banned by the FIA. They are no longer allowed to do it. Thank God, because I was over seeing fans on like social media complain about this on the gap size and everything, like someone's holding up or whatever the reason. I'm just like, can we just stop? Please. So I'm glad to hear this, that this has changed. So I will no longer see people complaining. Formula One fans are nothing if not vocal people. Now let's get into Q1. Q1 kicked us off with a delay due to a risk of rain. I do have to say I loved hearing the, you could quite literally hear the eye roll from Julian Palmer on F1 TV. When he caught when he caught a glimpse of the weather radar, we pretty much just saw everyone queuing up with a minute or so to go before the start of Q1. For me, Q1 was really just a mad dash at the end. In the end, your top three were George in P1, Max in P2, and Charles in P3. And our people that were out were Yuki, Danny, Valtteri, Logan, and Joe. I'm personally still trying to understand why Yuki was trying to get Lewis hit with a penalty, but it just really felt out of place and out of pocket. But it's Yuki. I feel like he's kind of the king of saying things that are a little um, out of left field sometimes. Yeah, that was also, yeah, that was a bit odd. Yuki does say a lot of stuff out of left field. He also says a lot of things that have to be bleeped out. But it keeps it interesting. I also think it was interesting that everyone was kind of only on hard tires for Q1. They weren't like switching up. They were only on hard tires. Yeah, Yuki's comment was kind of comical to me because he was just like really set on Lewis like getting penalized. But I don't know if you guys like saw the replay like a few moments later, but you literally see like Pierre in his Alpine cut Yuki off and it wasn't Lewis. You see like the blue just like drive by. And they're like, oh, that's Pierre. And I just started laughing because they're like best friends. So like, he was just like, it's Lewis, it's Lewis. And it's like, it was your boy the whole time. So in my mind, I'm like, how did he get the blue Alpine confused for a black Mercedes? Beats me. I don't know. I'm not an F1 driver. So who knows? But I, it was funny. Now for Q2, we saw the Merc looking a little twitchy, I guess is the best way to say it at times, but it wasn't too crazy, but it was still twitchy nonetheless. But my big thing for Q2 was I really need to know what pixie dust the Aston Martin garage put in those cars this weekend because they looked good. Like I was not prepared to see the Astons looking quite so racy in Q2. Your top three were Lando in P1, Max in P2, and Checo in P3. The people we lost were Nico, Esti Bestie, Pierre, K-Mag, and Alex Albon. Apparently, the pixie dust that Aston was using was doing a little bit of mix and match of their upgrades. So they took some of their upgrades out, and then they kind of went back to the car that they had at the start of the season that we saw Alonso just absolutely dominating in. So it definitely seems like it's working for them. So we'll see how the rest of the races go. Hey, like that saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Simple as that. But to me, it just felt like Mercedes weren't up to pace with the rest of the field like they usually are. And they did have me worried for a bit. But like Amy said, it wasn't anything crazy, but I guess I just had gotten used to them being back up there like they normally were. And then seeing them like this, I was like, ah. especially it being Lewis's second home race, I would hope they would have something better. But here we are. Now, Q3, I think is for me at least where things got a little bit more interesting. 
I am still not over the dark clouds that were at the start of Q3. I'm a girl from New England. The minute I saw those clouds, I was expecting a downpour any minute. The skies were literally like biblical dark skies. I was really not prepared, but it's Brazil. Brazil kind of always gives us crazy races just every time. Last year was a good example. I just feel like it's relatively consistent for keeping us on our toes. Now, my big moment was seeing Oscar lose it. That really hurt my heart. And everybody who listens to us has pretty much figured out that I'm a diehard Red Bull girl. I was just so sad for him because he's been doing so good and it it just he just couldn't hook it up this weekend. I don't really know what the issue was, but it really was just not his weekend. Now, for anybody who did not watch Quali or did not watch Q3, Q3 got canceled due to the weather. So your top three or your top 10 were as follows. Max in P1, Charles in P2, Lance Stroll in P3, Fernando Alonso in P4, Lewis was in P5, George was in P6, Lando was in P7, Carlos was in P8, Checo was in P9, and Oscar was in P10. Those clouds were insane, and they rolled in so fast. Uh, as Zavi told Charles, like seven minutes into the session, the rain would start, but I think it really was within like two or three minutes. It rolled in fast. I also loved Fernando's radio where he just tells his engineer, it's night. Like that sent me. <laughs> I think for me, my favorite thing after the end of Q3 was having Max and Charles have their little Lestappen chat. And then Lance is just like in front of them getting interviewed and you can just kind of see them having their little moment. It gave me a really good giggle. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go pull it up on YouTube, F1 TV, kind of wherever. But it just I, – I love when we get a little bit of some Lestappen content because I just think those two are so goofy together. It will never not make my heart happy. Uh, I am – obsessed with the Lestappen content we got. They are so adorable. I also found it funny that Charles was like given an umbrella to run over to the garage where the interviews were and Max just took off out into the rain. He was like, nah, I'm good. And I love the fact that they had to have the interviews in the garage that the safety car and the medical car are kept in because the rain was just pouring down like they couldn't even go outside and then max like had to use his sleeve to dry off the pole position award so they could sign it it was just mayhem and it was really fun to watch so i had fallen asleep like right at the start of q3 grad school struggles it was a really nice nap though so i can't lie i do like napping to the sound of an f1 car oddly enough it's soothing give it a shot so when I woke up to see what Sunday's GERD was looking like, in general, your girl was very confused. But I do like the chaos that the weather does cause because it's just like you see like the engineers and the strategy team like using their brains a little bit more and like thinking of what to do and when is the good time to change the tires, whether it be inters or the full wets. And the debate always goes, is it one or the other? But it's cool. And I can't complain about... A starting grade switch up. I mean, seeing Lance and P3, like, what? It was great to see. And Alonzo back up there, too. Love seeing him up there. Now, speaking of a little more chaos, we go into the sprint shootout on Saturday. And SQ1 started out pretty uneventful. And then SD Bestie just hit Fernando within the last, like, I think, minute of the session, bringing out Red Flag. And since there was only about 30 seconds left, the stewards just made the decision not to resume the session, which left Esty Bestie in 16th for the sprint. And honestly, all I could think about when they crashed was last year at the Brazilian GP when Esteban and Fernando were both driving for Alpine and Esteban's race engineer comes on the radio and he goes, Esteban, I don't want you fighting with Fernando. Is that understood? It just, that was all I could think about. Okay, but his comment about Fernando on the radio, like, I get it, Esty. It's a heat of the moment, but when you look at the replays, it just looked like Esteban had just lost control, and Fernando, it was just, like, wrong place, wrong time for him. And 
at the end of the day, stuff like this happens and it's just like, again, I get heat of the moment, but sometimes I feel like when you start throwing out names or saying like little comments, I'm like, ooh, you can't really like take that back as easily as you think you can. So that was spicy. Yeah, 100%. I think maybe hopefully after watching it back, he kind of was like, oh, okay. It was just like, I lost control of the car, but yeah. Uh, at the end of SQ1, that left our top three as Carlos, Lando, and then Lewis. And then out was Esteban, Lance, Joe, Alex, and Logan, which was kind of sad to see both Williams go out on SQ1. And then SQ2 actually ended up getting delayed due to the red flag. I think it resumed at 11.40 a.m. Sao Paulo time. So it was about a 30-ish minute delay, give or take. Uh, and due to the extent of the damage to Fernando's car, the Aston mechanics were unfortunately not able to get it ready by the time SQ2 started. So he ended up 15th on the grid. Uh, Danny Rick was also absolutely killing it. And I think at one point he jumped up to second. Incredible. I love Danny Rick. At the end of SQ2, our top three were Lando in P1, which I love. Checo and then Max and then out was Kevin, Nico, Pierre, Valtteri and as mentioned before, Fernando in 15th due to his crash with Esteban. SQ3 got a little interesting as well. They run the first two sessions on medium tires so then SQ3 is run on soft tires. So they tend to wait for the last four or so minutes to do their outlap and then one good flying lap because they really they're trying to preserve the soft tires and they know that they're really only going to get like one good shot. Uh, and I know sprint weekends aren't like everybody's cup of tea, but I will say I like how, like, I like the suspense that SQ3 brings um, and ended up with Lando on pole, which again, I love. Uh, and I know we say this all the time now, but I really, really am loving the McLaren Renaissance that we get. And then we got Max in P2, Checo in P3, P4, George, P5, Lewis, P6, Suzuki, P7, Charles, P8, Danny Rick, P9, Carlos, and P10 was Oscar. And then we go into the sprint race itself. Max had a great start off the line and he got past Lando, which was kind of expected, but still a bit disappointing because I really really would love to see Lando get his first win. I think all of us over here at the Paddock Girls want to see Lando get his first win. Uh, around lap seven, we heard a very panicked radio from Alex telling his engineer that there was oil leaking from Valtteri's car and then did not hear anything about it after that. So I guess it was fine. Valtteri finished the race and he I guess it was okay. Uh, but the battle in the midfield between Daniel, Oscar, and Carlos was incredible incredible to watch. And then Yuki absolutely killing it, passing Lewis, pulling ahead for sixth. I mean, the Alpha Tower boys have been doing amazing recently, and I am absolutely here for it. Our sprint ended with Max in first, Lando in second, and Checo in third. Now, before we get into our race recap, let's talk a little bit about some stuff that happened before the race even actually started. Now, the craziest thing to me about this entire race weekend is the fact that Ferrari had so many of their pit crew members sick with food poisoning. Like, I'm talking they were unsure if they had enough people to do their pit stops kind of bad. I know I remember, and I think most of PGP remembers, that Lando got food poisoning last year, and it just seems like it's going to become a reoccurring issue with, with Brazil. I don't really know why, but hearing all of that information on F1 Twitter and F1 TikTok, I was like, are you kidding me? How does this happen that like most of your pit crew is sick with food poisoning? Because that means that either there was an issue with their team catering or something. Like obviously they all ate the same stuff. So I'm a little concerned. I mean, it's Ferrari, but this is a whole new level of Ferrari being Ferrari. You know, when stuff like this happens, I always have to wonder why. And part of me wonder, like, thinks it's the food and, like, their bodies are not used to it. And it can happen. I know it's happened to me before on some occasions. Or it could be just the travel. Maybe it's just, like, finally like, catching up to them because they are traveling together. So it's probably, like, no, like, 
I don't know, a chant. I don't know. It's just like, it's interesting. But the memes were killing me about the pit crew and the pit stops, especially one in particular where I saw one about the reserve driver, like Robert looking stressed in general. It's like a random picture of him. Like he just looks like he's like concentrated, like looking at something. But it was just like, he's stressed because he has to learn how to like change all the four tires at the same time or something like that. So they, they needed Luigi and Guido in a situation like this. They should have hit them up. What I think they really needed was to take some notes from NASCAR pit stops because NASCAR pit crews are much, much, much smaller. And those guys managed to pull off miracles all of the time. But I was honestly, when I heard the rumors, I was like, are we going to get Ferrari doing a NASCAR kind of pit stop? But we didn't get it. But I was honestly prepared for it. Now, let's move on to our race recap. And our race started off with a bang. And that was Charles Leclerc crashing out in the formation lap due to hydraulic issues. And oh my God, that poor man. And I quote, why am I so effing unlucky? And when I tell you that that broke my heart, everybody knows I'm not the biggest Ferrari fan. I'm Italian. I want to be a Ferrari fan, but I just can't. And honestly, for me, there is just not enough black tourmaline and pyrite in the world to help that man with luck and protection. I don't know what else to do. We have all tried manifesting our asses off to help him. And I just don't know what else we can do. I know we've been asking the Formula One gods for some spice, but this is not what we meant. I do have to say that I'm really happy that everybody was okay because Alex's crash after the lights went out really had my heart in my throat. I was really worried that he was going to have some kind of an injury. Thankfully, everybody got out a-okay and all in one piece. My heart also broke when I heard Charles' radio. I feel so bad for him. He's trying so hard. And I really, I I hope that there's some kind of like overhaul at Ferrari over the break. Like Fred, let's, let's, let's get things going. They clearly need a few changes. I also had to text my best friend who is a diehard Ferrari girly and a Charles girly. And I was like, I just texted her and I was like, are you okay? She did not respond. We are all not okay as a Charles and Ferrari girly. I am so ready. When I say so ready, like I'm so ready that I will go to Marinello myself and throw that damn car where it belongs in the trash. Basura. Afuera. Like leave. Leave us alone. Don't ever come back because we don't want you. Because hearing his radio after that incident happened was so heartbreaking. Like it, like I had tears in my eyes. It just got to that point. I was just like, can we just get a damn break, please. Like, I think I all saw something on F1 Twitter or F1 TikTok, something of Charles receiving a bracelet from a fan that was blessed by a priest. The fact that a bracelet blessed by a priest could not help him. I I need to know whatever witch hexed this man because I need to have some words with them because this is not okay. This is enough. We need to stop this like now. Mel, let me know when and where and I'll go with you to Marinello. We're getting rid of that car. I'm done with it. But also, on a happier note, Lando going from 7th to 2nd by the exit of the first corner. Incredible. I know we had a little bit of chaos, but that was that was a fantastic move. No, for real, because him and Lewis had a hell of a start to that race. Like, the, if you watch, like, the replays where it's, like, perfect, like, like head-on or, like, overhead like bird's eye view I guess you can say of the race uh you can per- like see perfectly like when they start the Aston Martins are like kind of like inward especially like Fernando's but you per- see how perfectly like Lewis and like Lando make their way like on the outside and just kind of like squeeze Aston's like ever so slightly and they're like all right cool thank you and then just proceed on and Lando was just able to be- make his way into P2 which I have to give credit to because what a move and then the safety car was brought out in lap one because I think it was like K-Mag hit Hulkenberg who hit Albon who then crashed into K-Mag and then that brought out a red flag by lap three and we also saw at the in a replay that uh, K-Mag 
went into the back of Piastri's car and then Albon's tire hit Daniel's rear wing, which almost took both Piastri and Daniel out of the race. But thankfully, their teams were able to get everything fixed up by the time the race restarted after the red flag, which I was really happy about. That was one hell of an incident. Like we didn't even make it to the first turn and we already had like three DNFs. <laughs> like when does that ever happen? But thankfully that flying tire didn't do more damage because when I was watching the replays, it had me a bit concerned. Like I was just like, did anyone get hit like in the head? Like, yeah, you're wearing helmets, like that's for sure and everything, but you still like the speed that like that tire is like flying at you and everything, like my mind goes everywhere. So I'm very glad everyone was safe and made it out okay sucked seeing all that happen again before the first turn and also the tire flying kind of reminded me of i think it was yuki's tire i don't remember which race but earlier in the season yuki's tire just going on its own just yeah i personally cannot wait to see the memes that come out of that tire just kind of like trundling along because we all know it's gonna happen it is absolutely going to be made into a meme, a GIF, a WhatsApp sticker, the whole nine yards. I cannot wait to get my hands on it because it's going to be used so much in the PGP group chat. <laughs> I also need to give a shout out. I feel like we do this all the time. Shout out to the damn pit crews because they're pulling off miracles. They all need raises. Like, can F1 just please make it a thing that like all pit crews need a raise after the season because they have worked magic, like quite literal magic. I have no words. One of my favorite lines that I think we got this race is from Carlos Sainz himself. And I quote, I hope we've been this clutch when we're back in Maranello. Pure, unadulterated, spicy chili. Just, it's, I mean, we all know Carlos can be a little spicy, a little sassy, I was not ready for that. I was wheezing before I even had my cup of coffee this morning. I was not ready. That that radio absolutely sent me. And his engineer was just like, copy that. We'll speak about it later, please. Like, it was the please at the end where his race engineer, he's like, we know. We know. Just please, let's get through this race. I think if we show up in Marinello to get rid of that car, Carlos will absolutely help us. Like, he will be on it. He wants it gone just as much as I think everyone else. I think it's official that we can say that Brazil tends to bring out the spice in just all of the drivers because we also got some really sassy George Russell with the, are we working together or are we doing our own race? Like, damn, George. I get it. They had said, let's work together. And then it kind of felt like they weren't. But I mean, I... I don't know. I really don't know what it is about Brazil, but it's the minute everybody gets there, everybody's fashion jumps up a level and everyone's sass jumps up about 10. Facts. That is, yeah. George also, his his radio, you want more management? I'll go backwards talking about his tire management. Everyone just put on their sassy pants, especially George. He was like, what are we doing here? He was... George, this race was absolutely hilarious. And that was probably one of my favorite radios. We can always count on George to give us some sass. But I really think that man woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. That or Princess George just decided to make an appearance this weekend. Because we haven't had that much sass from George Russell in a while, personally. Princess George definitely was out on the prowl for sure because, like, I get it. You want the maximum points. But at the same time, like, chill a little bit. There's a reason why there's team orders and a team strategy. And they'll let you know when you can overtake your teammate because I get I get, I get it. I get it. You have your selfish reasons and you can have, like, your non-selfish. But at the same time, I'm like, please calm down. Let's be nice. As nice as we can be. Now, for me, one of the big heartbreaks of this race was seeing Joe having to retire his car on lap 24. The fact that we had four cars retiring with 47 laps to go in the race was really not something I had on my bingo card for this weekend. I don't know what was going on. 
planet's out of whack. Somebody pissed off some witches. Something. Because this weekend was just chaos. This race in particular was just complete and utter chaos. And I really wasn't ready for it. So apparently Joe's DNF was possibly some kind of like water leak, possibly to do with the hydraulics. There's, we don't know for sure. Uh, and we probably won't know for sure because they do kind of keep that stuff under wraps. But yeah, this was definitely not something I saw coming either. That was like insane. If it was a hydraulic issue, that makes me look at Ferrari and go, because mm, Alpha has a Ferrari power unit. So like, obviously it's an issue with the power unit if it was hydraulic. But I have to say, I loved seeing the old Nando come back. He looked like he was back in his usual form, which just brought me so much joy. I know he's polarizing to a lot of people, but you have to give the man credit where credit is due. He is an absolute badass when it comes to Formula One. I am also very excited about all of the TikToks that we are probably going to get from him and the Aston team. They have been on it. They're just all of their TikToks from this weekend were incredible. The TikToks themselves and then also the behind the scenes ones, just amazing. Jimmy, the Aston admin, is a legend. I actually got to meet him and have a quick little chat with him when we were in Austin. He is such a sweetheart and that man deserves a crown and a goddamn raise because he is just churning out the best content ever. Now, one thing I never thought I was ever going to be able to say in terms of Formula One is Yuki Tsunoda in P5 at one point in the race. I was just never, ever, ever saw that one coming, but we got it. That was incredible. I love that for Yuki. I am so mad, though, at the F1 TV directors for showing us two shots of Fernando just, like, leaving, I think, the pit lane. Like, not really doing, just driving, not doing much. And then not showing us Lance passing Lewis. Like, come on, come on. That would, we, we were hearing about it, and then they just didn't show it. My husband and I both were just like, that was, I want to see that. <laughs> it was honestly such a missed opportunity. I know I have been seeing stuff on TikTok and Twitter of people complaining about the F1 TV coverage recently. Mainly it's been people who watch Sky Sports who are saying it's a Sky Sports issue, but it's really a F1 TV issue because Sky Sports gets their cues and everything from F1 TV. So I, I'm really hoping that for Vegas and the rest of the season that they improve what they're showing us um, and or that they at least take note for next season and give the people what they want. No more cutting off Lando's podium sellies and give us the goddamn goods. We want to see the overtakes for the love of all that is holy in Formula One. Please give us the overtakes. Yeah, I like watching the overtakes and the epic moments in general. Like when something happens, like. Just show, I don't, I'm tired of like hearing, oh, so-and-so over, like what an overtake. Sorry you had to miss it because we're watching someone exit the pit lane. Like, I don't care unless it's someone's right at close to the end of the pit lane exit and like, we're going to have some drama then. Okay, show it to us. But I'm seeing someone leave the pit lane then. Okay, good for them. Let's see some action because that's what we all want to see. Exactly. And then we had some more passive aggressive sassy comments from george i think there were i can't remember exactly what they were but he just was on it with the sass and the passive aggressive comments i'm from the south i know what passive aggressive comments sound like now i have to say one of the comments that had me quite literally about to choke on my water was julian palmer calling pierre gasly the ghastly express i Don't know what is up with the F1 TV team, but they just give you some absolute zingers. I was not, that was just not something I ever thought, but now it is all I'm going to use in reference to Pierre Gasly, like gaining on somebody or something like that. It just, it fits the Gasly Express. It's just perfect. 
100%. Also, the commentators saying that everyone might have to give George Russell a wide berth after the race because his race was not going well was hilarious. The F1 TV like, commentators do not come to play. They show no mercy, and it is perfection. Now, I think we all know that a lot of Formula One fans like to switch over to the Sky Sports coverage, but honestly, I find the F1 TV crew just has me in stitches way more frequently than Sky that I've honestly stopped switching to the Sky Sports coverage. If anything, I'll switch for the very beginning of the race, but I really like that Sky team. I just, they're the F1 TV team. I think they're just... They're a really good crew. They gel really nice. And as I feel like we've said before, they just give you some great lines. No, I'm the same way. I mean, Crofty's Lights Out and Away We Go on Sky is so iconic. But the F1 TV presenter's commentary overall is just so good and so funny. Especially when like David Coulthard stops by. He's got some great commentary. And I also like that they switch up. Like they have like one consistent presenter, but then they have like essentially guest presenters for a few races. And I love that because you get to kind of hear from other people. And I feel like I learn more from the F1 TV commentary. Like they explain things, why certain things are happening. Um, what certain problems are, stuff like that. It just, I feel like I learn a lot more from them. I think for me, my biggest, I guess, bonus point for watching the F1 TV coverage is the fact that they do have a lot of former drivers on their on their crew. David Coulthard will pop up. Julian Palmer has been a more recent Formula One racer. They'll have James Hinchcliffe on. While he's not done Formula One, he has driven some of the same tracks as formula one drivers so i just find their comments a lot more meaningful now you guys know if you've listened to us for a while we love our fun facts so i have a fun fact for everybody david coltard actually has a podcast with eddie jordan who's the former owner of jordan racing which is the original iteration that now we all know is red bull racing i highly recommend that you check them out it's called formula for success I find that pairing really funny because they're around the same age. They were on the grid at the same time, obviously in very different roles, but they just give you really good insight and their stories will also just kind of always make me laugh. 100%. I definitely think I'm going to check out their podcast because it sounds really, really interesting. I also love that they have engineers, like former race engineers. Um, One of the presenters in the paddock this week was a former race engineer for Joylyn Palmer, who we heard from. And also he was uh, Kimi Raikkonen's engineer. And he was just very insightful for like problems that cars were having and, you know, things like that. I think we heard from him during the red flag and he was just talking about what happened, what it affected and like kind of what the teams would have to go through to fix it. I've only ever watched the races on F1 TV, specifically on the international channel, and I love it. Their little jokes and, like, fun facts, it's just, like, enjoyable in general. Like, the girls had, like, mentioned, they always, like, have, like, a switch up of, like, special guests and everything, and it's always, like, informative, so it's enjoyable. The international channel, if you press on the screen, wherever you're watching, it's the little circle with the globe grid. That's the one. Recommend it. 10 out of 10. Now, I'm sure that most F1 fans picked up on this while watching the race, and that was that 4.3-second pit stop from Aston Martin. That just honestly made me cringe. I, oh, that one just hurt on so many levels, and I have a feeling that that debrief is probably going to be a little rough. While they had a good result in the end, that pit stop was just like not okay and should not have happened. They're never that bad. The debrief that I think every Formula One fan and at least every PGP girl would really want to be in on is George Russell. Because, oh my God, no. Watching that man have to retire that car, oh, I could just like, it's like I could see the smoke coming out of his helmet. He was probably fuming mad. 100% I want to be a fly on the wall for that debrief I would I just I would kill to be a fly on the wall for that debrief oh my god I think I would want to be in the debriefs for Ferrari and Mercedes in general especially after this weekend 
and just hear on what the drivers have to say and express themselves because at this point like they just have to like speak up because if they don't then like nothing's gonna change and we don't want that to happen and them to be you know not a top performing team so i don't know i would love to listen in and just be saying there with like my little like popcorn and my like cup and just be like mm, yeah <laughs> so it would probably be the equivalent of watching a tennis match where your head is just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But honestly, having them say that George Russell's retirement was due to a, quote, risk, an imminent risk of failure, that to me just feels so ominous and really not good. I don't think I've ever heard of somebody having to retire their car due to imminent risk of failure. But I could be wrong and maybe it has happened recently and I just can't remember or missed it completely. I don't really know. But that one just, yeah, that raised some alarm bells for me. If I had to give, I guess, one of a one of many goosebump moments from this race, that was seeing Lando Norris get the gap between him and Max down to 9.5 seconds. That man was flying. I mean, we all know that Red Bull gives you wings. But apparently, it also gives McLaren some wings because that was ridiculous. No, my guy was on a mission. He was like, I'm going to get this as close as I possibly can, even if it is the last thing I do. And then we saw Carlos have issues with his downshifts. I was so afraid that it was going to be a double... I guess it would be a DNS and a DNF for Ferrari. But... Regardless, they need to get it together because, oh my God. Now, I'm normally pretty good about not shouting at my television while I'm watching a Formula One race. I try my best to keep the loud Italian under wraps. But Sergio Perez's overtake on Fernando Alonso had me shouting at my TV. My jaw was on the floor. I was not prepared I honestly didn't even see it coming. I didn't think he was going to make it stick or at least make it happen at all. Oh, my God. If you guys could have been a fly on the wall in my apartment or my house, you would have absolutely laughed your ass off because I was so loud. And then the last lap, Alonzo taking third place back and getting it by 53 thousandths of a second. I was on the edge of my seat. My husband and I were both yelling at the TV. We do not normally yell at our TV. It was, that was top tier racing. Just incredible. 53 thousandths of a second had me literal head to toe goosebumps. That is exactly why I love this sport. It was just a thing of beauty to see. I know I, for one, am probably going to rewatch that moment on repeat on YouTube because holy hell what i i have no words y'all the scream i scrumped at those last seconds truly it's really what racing is all about and i really thought it was going to be to the point where it was going to be like a photo finish because that's how close in margin they were of each other it was just like overtake on overtake and my heart was racing like it was just like to the point where i was just like on the edge of like the couch because I usually watch my race the races like laying down and everything I like to be relaxed my whole blanket I literally just like shot up and like me and my boyfriend just like oh my god oh my god and it just reminded me of the battle between funny enough Fernando and Seb last year it was either like Japan or Singapore but I think they were like battling for like sixth or seventh place but it was like to a point where it was just like each like the them were like inching closer and closer it was like literally to the end i was just like love love when this happened it's just so much fun it truly was incredible and what was also incredible was the max verstappen podcast again i know max hates podcasts i don't care um but i also love how no one ever sits in the correct seat max was in his correct seat but fernando was in technically lando's seat and then lando was like in fernando's seat and it just that's always incredible. And I also love when Lando reposts the like photos that people edit the podcast equipment into. He is letting that joke run and he also, I think, loves it just as much as we do. 
You know damn well he like bothers Max about it. Like whenever it's just like the two of them hanging out, he's like, let's record a podcast, mate, or something like that. But my favorite part of the podcast episodes is when they're like watching like the hi- highlights of or like clips of the race and like hearing or seeing their reactions. It's just a complete masterpiece because of course they miss like 90% of the race. They're leading. Of course, they don't see what's going on behind them. So their reactions are 100% genuine. And it's just hilarious because they're like, oh, my God, that actually happened to you. Or like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, that happened to so-and-so. So it's hilarious. Truly, it was like in uh, Qatar when Oscar was like, wait, who hit who? What was it? And then he was like, oh, it was Mercedes. And then he just goes, ha. Incredible. I love it. I also love christian horner during the podium taking photos of max like a proud dad like just that was so sweet like you see him i you see him like cheering and then he gets out his phone and he's like taking a photo just such a proud dad moment yeah christian and his wife jerry give me the you're doing amazing sweetie vibes and i'm here for it because we all know max's life and we love supportive paddock parents I know everybody always jokes that Fernando is kind of now the grid dad now that Seb is gone. But honestly, for Max, he's got grid parents because he's got Christian and Jerry. And it's so cute because there's a clip of last weekend's race where Jerry is literally pointing at her phone to get Max to look at her phone. And it just it really does give that you're doing amazing, sweetie. And I love that for him because he needs that in his life. Truly, Jerry pointing at her phone and, like, telling Max to wave was adorable. And we saw a lot of incredible passes today. And I think this is definitely going to be one of my favorite races of the season. Just the chaos of the whole weekend from the storm to the Esteban Fernando crash and then the six DNFs today. Brazil has just been full of surprises. For me, this race really reminded me why I love this sport. It gave us everything. DNF galore, a dragline finish for P3. I mean, it's a race to remember. For me, Brazil never fails to deliver chaotic and iconic moments at the same time. I have to say, this was F1 at its finest. I loved, loved the midfield battles that were going on. I mean, we had teams and drivers fighting with top drivers that you wouldn't normally see and overtaking them. Insane. Of course, I always ask for a fun race, but this will pass my expectations. Although I am hurt about Charles's DNF and wish Lewis finished on the podium, I am happy to see Fernando back up there in P3. Well deserved and well fought out. Now, Las Vegas is coming up. Very excited. And for Vegas, we've got some interesting predictions. I kind of have two. The podium I really want to see, which is Lando in P1, Oscar in P2, and then really whoever in P3. It will probably be Max, but whoever. And then my second prediction is the more realistic of the two, which would be Max in P1, Lando in P2, and then possibly Oscar in P3. Hopefully they get that car under control. Um, I really want Lando to get his first win. He's been putting in the work. You know, he led the the USGP in Austin. He went from P17 to P5 in Mexico. He's been killing it. I I really think Vegas hopefully will be lucky for him and he'll uh, get his first win. So it's been a little bit since I've done a prediction. So I was super excited to pull out my pendulum for this one. I am expecting some spice with Vegas because it's a new track. I'm just hoping that there aren't any major issues with pe- for people who are attending the race in person, but we'll see. Now, my P1, I got a big old swing for this one, and I love to see that, and that is Lando Norris. As Rachel said, we all really want to see Lando win. Our Lando Norris queens will absolutely lose their minds if this happens, but I will be right there by their sides freaking out right with them. P2, I love this. I will happily take this one. Fernando Alonso. I do really want to see him get a P1, but I won't ever complain about getting a Nando podium. It's just not going to happen. Now for P3, Lewis Hamilton. After the way Brazil went for him, I would love to see him back on the podium and I will not complain about that one damn bit. I'm also just really hoping that we don't get any DNFs because we got enough DNFs in Brazil this weekend. Ah, Vegas. 
if only you weren't a million dollars to attend or else I'd be attending like I originally was planning to. Sad days, sad days. But based on what I know on how the track looks like, I'm going to predict that Max wins by like an outrageous gap. I'm talking like close to a minute gap here. Just based off like those straights and all. It's just that speed of that Red Bull, we know. And I wouldn't be surprised. But I am hoping for a fun weekend. It is the first race in Vegas and a night one of that. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But please, for all that is mighty, Charles on the podium. I don't care where on the podium. My dude needs his confidence boost and something good to happen to him before the end of the season. That's all. So I just, it's the last two of the season and I just want to end the season with the bang. And with that, it's time for our favorite part of the podcast, the pre-outro. And this week we have our driver of the week. And our PGP Driver of the Week goes to Fernando Alonso. What a fight to the checkered flag, and welcome back to the podium. I love a race where the podium finishers just give us something to get really excited about. And I personally loved when I saw Alonso pass Checo. That is just racing that makes me excited. What did you guys think about this weekend's race? Let us know on our socials where you can find us at Pattern Girls Podcast, except on Twitter where you can find us at Pattern Girls Pod. Thank you for joining us, everyone. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.